Welcome to the Geneva Center for Security Policy Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Paul Vallet, Associate Fellow in the GCSP Global Fellowship Initiative. For the next few weeks, I'm talking with subject matter experts to explain issues of peace, security, and international cooperation. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. A few weeks from now, we'll be seeing an anniversary of an event that stunned the Middle East and the wider world, when jihadist fighters of ISIS overran Mosul and much of northern Iraq, upending the lives of millions, among which the Yazidi people living around Mount Sinjar. This event began the odyssey of the guest I'm very pleased to welcome on this week's podcast, Ms. Adiba Kasim. Adiba Kasim is one of the Global Fellowship Initiative's young leaders in foreign and security policy. Born into a Yazidi family of the Sinjar district in northern Iraq, she was about to begin her university studies in Mosul in 2014 when ISIS captured the area, forcing her to flee alongside members of her family. Undaunted by her displacement, she then became a freelance journalist as well as an assistant to foreign media covering the Kurdish-Iraq government and coalition forces counteroffensive that resulted in the retrieval of Mosul in 2016 and 2017. She also worked with the Yazidi survivors who were held in captivity by Islamic State, as well as forcibly recruited child soldiers of ISIS. She's currently an asylum seeker in Switzerland. She's been sponsored and arrived at the GCSP in the autumn of 2018. She's since enrolled at the University of Geneva and continues to testify on behalf of her community. She's been profiled by both Swiss television and print media, most recently the Tribune de Genève. Adiba Kassim's story and accomplishments have mightily impressed us all uh, at the GCSP, and it is to further this that I'm very pleased to speak with you this week. So welcome again, Adiba. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Well, uh, my first question uh, to you is, uh, well, precisely because what has struck us is always how passionate you've told us about being about education. And so uh, I wish you could tell us a little bit about the educational programs that you've been able to join while being a refugee and that led you to uh, continue your studies here in Geneva. Okay, so I will just um, give you a little background about m- my story with and my journey with the education. So, uh, you know, I came from northern Iraq. I belong to the Yazidi community. And then it's a community that was like always rejected. I came from a village, poverty and not, um, I was not recognized. I didn't, uh, I didn't have an ID when I was born because of the war. So I was uh, stateless. And then when, when I was in the age to go to the primary school, I was not accepted because I don't have an ID. So it was really painful for me, you know, as a young, young little girl, you know, my friends were going to school. I was not able to join them. I was not able to be, I was not able to be one of them. So it was really hard. But then I was always, you know, studying home, reading, reading with my friends, writing with them. And I was always, even though I was very little, I was always believing that one day I will go to school. One day I will be able to read and write. And I was trying always to impress everyone that even if I don't go to school, I can read and write. I was taking books, borrowing books from my friends, etc. So I, I couldn't continued like that, you know, self-education home for for 18 years until um, 2013 and 2014. So finally, I found a solution. I found uh, an opportunity to go to to make a general uh, exam and to pass and to go, um, you know, to start, how to say, my dream Mm -hmm. uh, to go to the university. Uh, I was always dreaming of being a biologist. I wanted to be a, a 
yeah, I want to be a, a professor of biology and to, you know, to teach in my village. I was always wanted to be, you know, one of the women who could like, you know, really do something in, in, in her village, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, like open the door of the opportunities for other women, etc. Because, you know, I came from a very difficult uh, region, you know, especially, I mean, for men and women, but especially for women, it was very hard, you know conservative and you know it wasn't safe women cannot you know travel alone you cannot like always show our identities etc so I always wanted to um to change something you know I was really uh I was always saying that either I would die or I will you know get to my education get um you know where I want to be so I was about to make it and unfortunately in 2014 the Islamic State you know they they attacked Mosul and then, you know, they attacked Sinjar where they committed the massacre and the genocide against my community. So uh, we had to flee. We had to leave home. And, you know, I was not speaking in English at the time. I was only speaking Arabic and Kurdish. Then I became a refugee in, in Turkey for the first time. And that was in 2000, well, yeah, end of August 2014. And in the, even the situation was crazy. I was with 2000 people. Um, there was nothing in, in the camp. We were all like in a very big um, military camp. We were left there. But still, I wanted to, to do something. I, I wanted to learn English and tell the world what have happened to us, what have happened with my people. So in the refugee camp, I was, uh, I was able to learn English. I was, you know, writing my sentence and you know, speaking to media. And, and then um, I decided to go back to Iraq. But unfortunately, I was not able to, to study because Mosul was, again, you know, um, controlled by, the, by ISIS, Daesh. And the university was taken by them and everything. And then, you know, I started to work um, with the, as a freelancer journalist and I was working with survivors. So I put my education aside and I continued, you know, to work and to advocate and to document um, uh, the crimes and, and you know, and, and the conflicts between uh, different uh, groups. So, you know, and then today I'm in Switzerland as a, you know, as a refugee again for the second time. When I arrived here again, I was like, yeah, all I want is education. All I want is, you know, is to, to, to go to school again. You know, it was, I, was, I was in the refugee camps here in Switzerland. And when I was telling people that I want to, yeah, I want to study. And they were telling me, ah, that's, that's too much, you know, like find a job. And, you know, that's, I was like, no, I am here to study. I want to, I want to study law <laughs> this time. You know, I want to change something because of all the injustice that I faced, you know, everything that I've, I've faced, you know, as a, someone who belongs to a minority, as a woman, you know, as a, a journalist, I had to leave everything behind me uh, because of uh, lake of justice you know because it was no right to protect me so I was like yeah I want to study law and then yeah nobody was believing me that I really want to study you know because I already started a career I was already working but I was like no we need we need I need uh, much more than this I want to uh, do more so I arrived at the GCSP in 2018 Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, thanks to the GCSP, they, they, you know, they helped me to find this opportunity at the University of Geneva. They told me about this program called uh, Horizon Academy. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, it's a program for the for the refugees and migrations um, to integrate at the University of Geneva to continue studying, you know, to follow our studies and, and our dreams. So, and thanks to them. I'm able today to to study and then you know the but the biggest challenge for me was 
French because um, I was not speaking French, you know, I was beginning, I was here, my fourth language. So yeah, the challenge was, you know, yeah, you have to, you have to learn French to be able to study now. I was like, okay. <laughs> so with Horizon Academy, I started. I was um, taking French classes. I was learning French, but at the same time, I had the opportunity to listen to, to my, you know, future courses mm -hmm. at the, you know, in different faculties, what I, I really want, what I really want to study. But yeah, I decided to study international relations, mm -hmm. focusing on law. So like that, it will help me really to, to understand more about, you know, in the level of international relations, but also, you know, what I want to do, which is law. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm to stay with like very basic, basic law. So yeah, I, I, I passed my French, uh, you know, that I passed my French exams. I arrived to a good level where I can really um, understand my classes. And yeah, and I, at the end, I also succeed in my classes, you know, I passed my exams um, and yeah, I continue. Well, I mean, yeah. uh, that's, uh, of course, something that, you know, tells us marvelously uh, in a large part also of what I was going to ask you in, uh, next, uh, because you've alluded to the fact that uh, your own educational challenges had uh, first given you uh, this original calling of uh, wanting to teach biology in your village. And uh, now uh, you're doing law and international relations uh, also to help out with, with, with your community as well. So I was wondering whether you also in all of that, keep in mind and, and think about how how important are educational opportunities for uh, your people, the Yezidi, uh, you know, whether they're still in the home region or whether, like you, uh, they have uh, seek, uh, sought refuge in, in, in other countries and, and whether some of you who are abroad sometimes reflect and, and, and are thinking about organizing on, on how to help people back home with the, these educational challenges that, that you've experienced firsthand. Yeah, you know, I mean, since 2014, you know, um, thousands and thousands of people, they, they were obliged to, to leave home, you know, they were persecuted, killed, kidnapped, you know, and there are still like, I mean, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's a genocide, it's, it's an ongoing uh, genocide, it, mm -hmm. it's not over, it's not something that we say, okay, so now we can heal from it, it's ongoing, you know, mm -hmm. so there are still like more than 2000 women um, and children who are kidnapped. There are still mass groups who are open, you know, not completely recognized. But then I, I think to, to heal a community and to build a community, again, all, all we need is, is education, you know. Not just in law, we need, you know, medicine, we need um, engineers, we need uh, artists, we need historians, we need, you know, politics, because we don't have a good political system, we don't have a health system, we don't have a law, we don't have rights. So there is so much um, missing. And I think the only way that my community could heal it's really through education and let's not forget also like, i mean in 2003 when the american they came when, when saddam saddam Hussein was born and everything so i was 10 years and then at that time everything started you know ready to fall apart and and a lot of people you know they, they left their school and they left you know their universities because the big cities became very dangerous and especially for minorities and then a lot of people were left behind you know with no education so then generations after generations so how you can how you could build a community without without having without being access to to education so that's why i mean after the genocide the, the, the like education is like a hope for us you know we who are abroad the, the who like i have my siblings who are also all refugees in in germany they're all studying you know days and nights even my mom you know she's a refugee 
<laughs> I admire she's a refugee in Germany. She's over 60 and she's going to school, you know, a, a traditional woman who've never been to school, you know, from a poor village. But she was always telling us that, you know, I want a better future for you and your siblings, you know, which they, they, they did it. But she after, you know, she came to Germany. She, yeah, I, I want to study. I want to, to go to learn the language. I want to do something, you know, I want to speak out. So she's doing that. So for all of us, we are all trying, you know, to do our, our little part because to find justice, and to build the, the, the community and to build a home again, it will take generations, unfortunately. It will take so much time. And then we, like my generation who face this genocide, I think we are holding a big responsibility on our shoulders. You know, it's our duty to do something. So we prepare ourselves and we prepare for, how to say, for the next generation. You know, we prepare for, for 30, 30 years later. So... That's why it's really it's really important. That's why I, I choose you know this path. Um, but not I'm um, not only for the Yazidis, for all other refugees, for all other um, minorities. You know there are generations in other places who've been you know born and grown up in in the refugee camps, and there is no education. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> it's complicated, but. I always, I'm always positive. So. so you are, and and also extremely sobering in in reminding us that uh, uh, what uh, you and your people have gone through uh, is still ongoing, and 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 how long the 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 past is. So I think uh, it uh, uh, gives a lot more weight, uh, in indeed, to you know the the efforts that uh, you've been described, and that in particular the opportunities with these particular outreach programs like Horizon Académique. Or, or yeah. others that uh, uh, your siblings uh, may be having uh, in, in, in Germany. Uh, the fact that host countries have this kind of service available to you uh, obviously has a, has a tremendous importance. Mm-hmm. And um, so, um, in fact, also, of course, to, to return to this educational experience as well, well, you, you have, of course, uh, chosen an area of concentration and, and, and subjects that uh, you're greatly passionate about. Uh, and I was wondering whether in the midst of this subject, of these areas of concentration, you're finding subjects that you're studying and that you feel really matter to you in a, in a most important way in what you want to do as you pursue your career? Uh, yeah, for me, I mean, personally, law. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm, when I'm now, I mostly, you know, study and learn Swiss law, constitution, mm-hmm. uh, especially. So, you know, I love it. I love it. You know, sometimes I, I, you know, I stay in the library from the morning until the night and I just read. And, but at the same time, I feel so lucky, you know, I just like, I, I really feel so lucky to be, to be able to, be able to I mean, to access to to those books, you know, at the, the University of Geneva when I am, you know, walking in the library. I just like feel so lucky. I can do something. I have access to all of that, you know. So thanks to Horizon Academy, which is, you know, like a very unique uh, program. And we need more and more programs like that, you know, to exist in different places. You know, there are a lot of refugees who are in the host countries and who are not access to, there are not opportunities for them. So, and let's not forget that a lot of refugees who were studying in their home countries and then they run because of the war or other other issues they couldn't bring their their papers with them you know and then it's it's all like most of the time it's very hard for us to access to education because we don't have a paper we don't have a proof uh, to show i think this should be changed because if we with the refugees if we have the motivations and if we 
have the strength to study and, and to change something and to do something, I think they should give us more opportunities, you know, and as well for the people um, in, 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 in the field, mm-hmm. there are like a lot of IDPs. Uh, who are in the camps in, the, in, in their countries, there are no no opportunities for them to study or some of them, you know, they're like older now, so they cannot go, for example, to a primary school, but there are no opportunities and there are no, um, how to say, they're not access to, because of their age or because of certain, yes. certain problems, mm-hmm. they are not access to education. So I think there should be more opportunities for them. They should change the system so more people can, can access to um to education and then you know the key the key for peace is education people can really change their communities change their environment uh, to learn get out of their their bubble and to learn that there is another world exist beyond what they see so yeah for me um the, yeah the subject I, I went in a different direction but yeah the, the subject that i find really uh, interesting for me is law but also like as an asylum seeker in switzerland since more than three years you know for me as a to learn also what is my right you know yes is there a law to protect me so this is all like very important for me survive from a genocide and then a refugee for the second time <laughs> seeking education seeking asylum and a lot so law for me is really important to understand better we can't change things if we cannot understand them deep enough so no um i, I think uh, what uh, you're i mean you're also uh, underlining uh, i think a uh, particular challenge for uh, uh, people uh, in uh, your situation which i think is really worth reminding uh, for refugees and asylum seekers who want to pursue education well they not only have the linguistic challenge so of course uh, that's why an outreach uh, program needs to be able to allow them to learn the local language to follow and as you point out you know solve the administrative problem uh, of being stateless and and because higher education systems they're they're geared indeed uh, often to generate a lot of paperwork and in and, and in many ways uh, a simplification is called for uh when you know you have profiles such as yours but may i add something more i think you know it's most of the time like the host communities they don't believe in us so they i think we should believe in refugees more so it i mean we are only seeing as with like a statue you know okay so it's a refugee so they don't they are weak they don't have the capacity no i mean we are yes we are refugees but we are also powerful we are refugees but we, are, we can also go to school we can also we can do different things as everyone so i think there should be like we should more believe in them and encourage them to continue in what they want to do so yeah at the beginning as i as i mentioned uh, people were telling me you know no this is how are you going to study law you know you came from iraq yes but i can do it <laughs> so yeah uh, unfortunately in most of the time they yeah there is no there is not enough people to believe in us you know so me i can speak i, I speak different languages i was you know i was a journalist so I raise my voice everywhere, but there are a lot of people who are not in my situation, who are not there to go on media and speak, you know, they're just like, they just want some peace and, you know, live a normal life without being on media or, you know, to to fight and fight. So there are certain things I think should be changed. Yeah, yeah. I think you're you're pointing to uh, really, uh, as I understand it, a bit of a historical uh, dilemma that's been uh, present for for many generations ever since uh, we started to devise uh, policies 
uh, in regards to uh, refugees and asylum seekers, and, and a lot of that started in Europe after the, the Second World War. But it's always, I think, uh, raised, I, I think, the, the question of, uh, of how the host communities will regard refugees as uh, becoming themselves through themselves and their efforts part of the part of the productive community and, and, and be able either of course either to contribute through work or to pursue their education which will then allow them to work it's always I think been a, a bit of a contradiction between the uh, the policy that's geared to help and welcome but also then the policy that's geared towards getting these people to rise and uh, rise and help themselves. And that's uh, exactly think, and, you know yeah. we talk about integration a lot there is yes. always you know talking about integration in the refugee camps that i've been through so they always talk about learning the language and integration but learning the language by alone it's not you know it's not enough for the integration and then for me uh, to be integrated in the in the new society i need the society to accept me to believe mm-hmm. in me first so integration happened from you know when both sides are ready you know the host communities and the refugees so I was going to turn to a final, uh, to final question because I mean, obviously, uh, what you do, and 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 you're so fabulously outspoken about uh, about all this. But I was wondering whether you've uh, learned uh, from your past experiences when you were putting forward the stories uh, of Yazidi survivors, um, and uh, do you think there? Uh, with these experiences, are there any new ways that are emerging in which these uh, stories could become known? Uh, I, I work with survivors, with women survivors, with um, child soldiers and, and back in Iraq in 2015 and 2000, until 2017, while I was also at the same time working with media. In, in the genocide, Yazidi women were really, you know, strong, uh, even though, you know, after everything they have been um, they were held in, you know, captivity. Some of them more than more than five years. Some of them, you know, three years. Um, coming from, you know, a conservative community and a conservative country, before it was very hard for a woman to talk about her being, you know, enslaved, being, you know, bald, being sold. But for the Yazidi woman, when they fled from from the Islamic, so they started to speak. They have been, you know, since almost seven years, they're speaking everywhere. They are telling their stories, horrible stories and and everything that have happened with them. And then as also I was working with survivors, I had to speak a lot about that. You know, we had to, we all had to to tell our stories. We have been speaking a lot. We have been inspiring people, but unfortunately no action have been taking people in that. You know, they listen to us. Yes, we are strong. We are inspiring, but there is not much have been done. Like no justice. And then there is no even like, Maybe I'm too realistic, but there is no even like psychological support for those survivors, you know, which is the most important thing for those people who are like leaving. They came back from from the captivity. They have been held in captivities for years. Then they came back after everything they have seen. Their husband is killed. Their fathers are killed. Their, you know, their children are taken. They are in the refugee camps and there is no enough uh, psychological support for them. I mean, there are some organizations that exist who give them, you know, some support, but it doesn't, the organization, they, they don't meet their needs. So it's, 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 it's really complicated and, it, you know, it took so much time and nothing, nothing has been done, you know? So yeah, we, we are waiting for justice to be done. It's only justice that, that, that can, you know, really uh, heal their wounds 
and they will not i i don't think they will stop telling their stories until justice they find justice you know so it's 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 really it's really complicated and it's really difficult for all of us and as i said well, you are not working on something that was in the past it's ongoing yeah. we are living it you know since 2014 and today we are living it soon we you know gonna be the seventh anniversary so well we continue it's 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 difficult it's painful but we give our best and we will not stop until we we change and then we we alone we alone we cannot we cannot do it we need you know we need the international communities international organizations to support us to stand with us communities like Yazidis who are suffering and elsewhere we have to act we have to stand and then you know me as you know someone um a survivor from Iraq from a minority we are tired of being just victims so no we we are fighters you know yes we have we've lived you know terrible terrible things and those stories will grow with us we're gonna live with this pain until you know rest of our lives but well we are survivors we fight back we want to live we want a better life for 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 the generations behind us we want to we want to make sure that the the generations behind us will live in peace you know and that they will not face what we have been facing me in 27 years and all i have seen in you know war uh, genocide uh, i was an idp i'm a refugee for the second time i'm still struggling with a lot of challenges you know as a refugee you know not still not fully accepted so yeah a lot going on but we we stay positive we yes. continue fighting <laughs> so we're talking about the stories of survivors so mm-hmm. yes like the survive not just yazidi survivors you know of course. everywhere so like we hear like for example in geneva there are a lot of talks going on people mm-hmm. talk a lot about women in peace and security you know refugees right um survivors right but there are no survivors or refugees and and you know included in those talks yeah. and then and then like the people who most need this like peace and security and mm-hmm. and, and human rights they they cannot even access to those talks they cannot even so that's why i'm saying also education is important because we can really be part of those talks as mm-hmm. refugees and as survivors and we can be part of the table where they make some decisions for our futures mm-hmm. and it's only the education that will you know help us to arrive to those levels what i take away from what you've just been saying is uh, that it's uh, not just the importance of uh, the the personal testimonies and the stories that you transmit uh, obviously the educational aspect is uh, the second uh, way of getting this through and what you've pointed out very importantly is that you know an international justice process and and and, and system is also a way of putting a story out there and 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 indeed of uh, providing this uh, this reconstruction so uh, Thank you very much for uh, uh, giving us this. Uh, today, that's uh, all about uh, time we're going to have to uh, for this program. But uh, I want to thank you again, Adiba, very much for uh, uh, joining with us uh, today. To our listeners, thank you. And listen to us again next week to hear the latest insights on peace, security, and international cooperation. Don't forget that you can subscribe to us on Anchor FM, Apple iTunes, you can follow us on Spotify, and on SoundCloud. I'm Dr. Paul Vallée with the Geneva Centre for Security Policy, and until next week, bye for now. <laughs>